Hey everybody, this is Podmaster Matthew here on my side of our little fun attempt here to take a first look at the Van Richten's Guide to Ravenloft, the new 5th edition Dungeons & Dragons book that came out not too long ago. So we'll be doing a split perspective thing here, just a, a quick little 10 minutes or so going through, looking at some stuff. This, this book is jam-packed, so we're not going to get to everything in these solo ones, but... I'm going to be looking through and, and trying to find some cool stuff that I think I would really appreciate at my table. And so before I even open up anything and start seeing stuff, the thing I'm going to be looking for here, the big value for me is going to be in monsters. I love finding new stat blocks in these books, uh, seeing new systems by which you can create factions for those monsters or ways to kind of parse out the world into digestible chunks. So you can kind of pick the things that you want to see instead of being kind of forced into using everything within the book or nothing at all. I've done some gaming with a darker tone before. Um, so it'll be interesting to kind of see how some of my ideas of this type of setting work with the published version of it. And I know Ravenloft has a lot of history to it, um, especially with the Curse of Strahd adventure book. So let's go ahead and crack in here and take a look at what we got. So looking at the contents here, we got character creation section. So this is really good. We got a lot of different value for player characters. I'm sure we'll talk about that. Uh, when we're, we're together. I'm not super interested in that kind of stuff, but we'll go through here just very quickly. Looks like there's some lineages that we can work with, which is always great, especially for dungeon masters who are just looking for a more interesting PC equivalent NPC. It's like, oh, cool. Let me just make a, a, a dampier ally of some sort, that kind of thing. Then we got a dark gifts section, some sort of benefits. Then we got some subclasses. So we got a bard, college of spirits, and warlock, the undead. Uh, always interested in warlock content. Should I ever play a game again? We'll see. I mean, I've been playing with Logan, so maybe I'll convince him to let me build a warlock to play a little gameplay session here. Then we got some backgrounds. Always a, a fun little thing to throw in there. I always like to remind people that backgrounds are not hard-coded into the game. You have the ability to make it however you want to. But it's nice to have these little cedar things. Uh, Haunted One, Investigator, that kind of stuff seems pretty cool for just getting you an idea. And then horror trinkets. That's that's a cool idea. It's just making sure that people are getting their, their random little trinket. I think that might even be in the character creation rules that you get a trinket to start. I don't exactly remember. Uh, then we got creating domains of dread. So I guess we got some different ideas here. So this is creating a dark lord, creating a domain, genres of horror. Ooh, that's actually a really, really good section. So it's going to be talking about how to create a, a, a structure and a feeling for your setting, for your game, that kind of stuff. That's really powerful, especially if you're coming to your players early and you're saying, hey, do you guys want to do a ghost story, or dark fantasy or cosmic horror, that kind of thing. I think that could be really, really cool. All right, then we got chapter three is domains of Ravenloft. This is basically just going through all the different areas, it looks like. So this is a lot of world building stuff. And I think the inspiration here can be really valuable in taking some of these core ideas or mixing and matching things, maybe picking some features about, oh, this is a cool region that like has all vampires in it or has a bunch of ghouls or whatever it is. And, and kind of taking some of those ideas and, and swapping over maybe the monster type or how advanced the technology or the magic is and that kind of stuff, making it really your own by kind of mixing stuff together. It's a huge list, which kind of harkens back to my comment earlier about it being a really, really history-steeped setting. They've put a lot of work in. They've had a lot of authors working on this kind of stuff, a lot of opportunities for adventures to be written. So it makes sense that there's so many. Like, it says 
starts at page 60 and the ending of that is 183 so you get 123 pages of just talking about the setting talking about all the stuff that's in there and then chapter four we got horror adventures so actually going through it looks like and actually talking about some of the mechanical elements i like that because that's a dungeon master focused thing and then here's my favorite chapter here chapter five monsters of ravenloft so i'm probably gonna end up kind of flipping through a little bit of the domain section chapter three maybe a little bit in chapter four but i'm gonna go pretty quickly to to chapter five here and i don't want to look at this list necessarily i want to see some of the art the art is always a really really good hook for my inspiration personally i flip through these books constantly just looking at the art and getting a sense of how we want to use stuff how we can change stuff and then very last here we got the appendix is a spirit board thing actually i kind of want to take a look at that first just to kind of see what kind of game assets all right so it's literally the last page there's nothing after it it's a single page and it just looks like an ouija board that's really cool i like that art with all the ravens and the skulls and stuff very evocative very spooky all that kind of stuff yeah so you could easily take that and make that a little handout use it for all kinds of different things i'd love to start a session every time where you do a group seance just to uh maybe create a tone or something turn down the lights light some candles and you set it up with the spirit board that's kind of fun all right so we're gonna go ahead and skip back through a little bit here um so looking back at the sections it's got all the notes and stuff already i can see those handwritten notes from various characters in the setting so we're going to go through let's check out some of the stuff from from around page 60 around chapter three so looking through here oh beautiful art long tall things there's little spiders everywhere all very creepy I think this is some random little tables for starting out the adventures starting out little reasons to be in these places tables are always really good because it can give you a sense of right before you roll on the table sometimes your brain will kind of pick the thing that you want from the table so you can either go with what you rolled or go with the thing that you thought of right before you rolled that kind of stuff this is very cool we've got some maps in here always important to keep a, a sense of, of size for these maps that can be really valuable when you're making your own setting uh, so sometimes it's nice to kind of just dwell a little bit on a map even if you're not going to use that setting just to get a sense of, of how big things should be we got a port for the dementlio dementlio or something like that lots of cool stuff i love the shape of the city in there that's really cool Ooh, masquerade more maps yeah so there's tons and tons of maps this is going to be really valuable and just flipping through whenever you need a map you might even just grab one of these and repurpose the names draw it out by hand oh we got a big sandworm which region is this the wizard Eleni's most recent experiment, dominating the worm grave drinker. I like the idea of a worm named grave drinker. That's that's always good. Worms are in every setting I make, almost by principle. Great, yeah. So this is all just stuff that we want to basically go through eventually if we ever have an idea of what these things are. I'm going to go through and read it. I might do a little bit of focus there. All right, we're into the actual adventure stuff. These have a lot of npcs in them with their personality trait ideal bonded flaw pre-generated i always forget to do that for my npcs that kind of generate that at the table based on how they are interacting with the party lots and lots and lots of little different bits and pieces this is great so much good stuff holy symbol of raven kind that's really fun just having little like idols and, and necklaces and that kind of stuff there's weird little non-important non-powerful Trinkets can be really, really good for player characters just to give them a little bit of concepts of what their character could be. 
All right, so we made it to chapter four here, flipping through. Page is really beautiful with the art. We got a, a ghostly figure above a, a table at a seance, and you can see somebody's got the, the raven kind talisman trying to spook away this scary dark spirit. That's really cool. So this is going to be a huge one because I know a lot of people are always talking about how Call of Cthulhu is kind of the, the go-to for horror. But if there's a bunch of rules and stuff in here on how to actually create a sense of dread at a D&D &D table, that could be really valuable. So you're not having to constantly think about, oh, should I just play a different game? You can actually kind of focus in and make sure that your game enhances this sense of, of darkness, of hopelessness, all that kind of stuff. Oh, this is great. There's lots of good stuff in here. I'm excited to see what kind of mechanics they can come through with and help use mechanics to actually regulate abilities of players so that they they feel at threat. All right, this is awesome. Still more good art. Oh, there's an adventure flow chart in here somewhere. Those are always nice to do. Just look at the content of that and try to make it for yourself. Make sure that you actually have a, a sense of the story beats, all that kind of stuff. Now we got actual battle maps. That's great. The little details in each room, including treasure and monsters and all that kind of stuff. Just really good bullet points on how all this stuff flows together. Great. All right. So we've made it to chapter five. Here's the part I want to spend a little bit of time on. So got a couple different things here. One really good one here is describing monsters. I guess it goes through and gives you some feedback on how to actually bring monsters into your game instead of just saying, there is now a demon in front of you. You kind of take a second and think about what that demon might look like or, or what it might be doing. That's very cool. Oh, these are always very important sections that I think a lot of people skip over is just the back-end stuff, the stuff that's not directly on the stat block, but it's super critical for running that monster. Still got some great things. All right, so here we go. Starting things off with the letter B, body taker plant. That's really cool. Little shop of horrors looking kind of thing oh flip the page directly to brain in a jar that's that's that harkens back to some magic cards that i remember came out a couple of years ago there's this one really cool one that let you you do stuff for free because you just kind of collected brains and then you expended them or was it eyes it might have been eyes but very similar thing just a, a body part floating in in a pickled brine boneless lots of undead that's for sure there's Carrion Stalker, little insectoid monstrosities, Carrionette, that's a very creepy doll. Some of these things, you just show them the art. You don't even need the, the stat block. You can just use this art and say, you're fighting this, and it doesn't matter what you do. It just is evil. Spooky cat, spooky ghosts. Loop Guru. So I remember somebody mentioning after our first session with the lycanthropes talking about how there's a, a Loop Guru stat block here and how there's some stuff. So I definitely want to go through on this later and really dive into how we interacted with something like this and how we'd potentially change that conversation from episode one. So if you haven't seen it yet, definitely go back and watch our first episode about lycanthropes. This is going to be heavily connected to that with it being a very similar setting and style, all that kind of stuff. Okay, so we flipped the pages a little bit here. They got a straight-up Nosferatu. I, I know vampires are one of those things that was very lacking in some of these monster stat books. We have just generic vampires and then just generic vampire spawn, and that was kind of the only two options you had for a while, except for going into the adventure books and picking out legendary ones. So this is really cool to see a, a generic version of an alternate 
style of vampire because there are in fact many different vampires one of my favorite is in the dresden files jim butcher does a great job of establishing the three different vampire courts so you got black ravenous animal vampires then you got red court blood drinking kind of classic vampires and you got white court emotional sexy vampires and they all kind of operate within the same world and they work against each other so it's good to see more stuff like that in D&D so we have some more options as dungeon masters all right so you can kind of flip through here Ooh, there's a guy with like a, a almost Egyptian style eagle mask but he looks like an executioner of sorts which is a cool twist we're back on the star spawn i know that was in one of the other books i can't remember where but star spawn are awesome i love them so very much because they're just a bunch of worms so it looks like we got two legendary ones oh that is amazing legendary worm people that's fantastic then we got swarms swarms are always great swarms are spooky and then we got some actual kind of humanoids a little bit we got some more spooky monsters this is covering so much stuff vampiric mind flare oh this book is worth just that stat block. Wow, that's really cool. So not only do we have different types of vampires, but we got specifically vampiric mind flayers. That's really great. Ending off here with the Were Raven, also related to the content we did in episode one. And then ending here with zombies, it looks like. So we got some options for increasing some zombies. So we got swarm of zombie limbs which is just parts of zombies which is super spooky that makes you have some some consequences if the party just kills a bunch of zombies and walks away from it they don't realize that they've actually created a new monster that's even more threatening by not finishing them off and burning the corpses or something we got zombie clot and zombie plague spreader this is really really good so yeah that's my turn on the surprise round go ahead and check out logan's video as well as we're kind of prepping up here for a much bigger discussion of ravenloft We'll see if we can really kind of dive into some mechanics and make sure that we're, we're picking up some really cool stuff here for you guys to be able to use. Thanks for joining me. We'll see you next time.